Hi guys! I just wanted to give a brief intro to this episode and say a couple of things before we get started. Firstly, there is no intro music because I do not think now is the time for cheery music in the intro of this, Um, but I did just want to briefly introduce what this podcast episode is about, and if you guys have been following me on Instagram, I have shared the work of Kay Price on Instagram. She wrote a blog post that just really touched me, and I felt really shared a lot in the space of our world that we are experiencing right now. And I don't want to do all the talking right now because honestly, I am trying to amplify her voice and her narrative and her experiences and not my own. But I do want it to be known that there are so many different narratives right now. Everyone has a different experience. And I do just want to say, we talk about this in the episode, but this is Kay Price's experience alone and she cannot speak for everyone. But I still think it's a very enlightening conversation nonetheless and one that touched me. So I hope it also touches you and just stirs your heart. I also wanted to say that we recorded this over Zoom. And so the audio might not be as top-notch as my other podcast episodes, but I still think it's a good conversation. Kate Price has children and you will hear them in the background. And I actually think it's really sweet. She was sitting outside while we were doing a Zoom call. It was nice to actually get to record and FaceTime and see her face because I think that that makes conversations go so much more smoothly but you can hear the birds in the background and it was very pleasant to listen to but I just wanted it to be known if the audio seems to switch once we get into the conversation that is why I appreciate you guys listening and I hope it is enlightening for you. I am so excited for today because I have Kiri here. She has just so graciously taken the time at 6.45 a.m. to have a conversation with me and just share her thoughts and share her story with you guys. If you guys aren't aware, I shared a post that she recently shared on racial harmony, which is a term that I'm using because that is the term that she uses over on her page. She is really incredible and has been just a really awesome person to hear during you know everything going on right now she has a really interesting perspective and I think something that I really appreciated about her and you know what she's written on this subject is just the emphasis that everyone has a different narrative and the importance of listening to everyone's narrative and it's something that I'm excited for her to talk more about I want this to be mostly her talking and not me and so I just wanted to intro her here, but I will have all of her information in the show notes of this as well. I would also encourage you to read her blog post before maybe listening to this, because I think we're going to be unpacking the topics that she discusses more, and it'll definitely be a little more helpful if you guys read that first. But start this off, Kiri, by asking who you are and kind of your background, just like a brief summary of you for anyone who's maybe new here and doesn't know you. Yeah. Well, hi, Michelle. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. I'm just glad to be here. So I am Kiri Price. I go by K. Usually just easier to remember that way. And it's one of my favorite nicknames. So I am an adopted Texan, which means that I have been transplanted here. I'm originally from the East Coast. I grew up in a small town in Connecticut. And I moved to Texas when I was a teenager and met the love of my life in college. And we stayed in Texas. We live on kind of a tiny, tiny farm in the back of a barn. And we love it. I'm a mom of two. One is almost three and one is almost one. And I am a swimmer. I love to swim and I get the opportunity to coach a swim team locally to me. And I love it. Uh, I love to write. So I blog 
and I am about to write my first book. I, I love to cook and bake, and I also brew my own kombucha, so that's a fun little fact about me. I love to read, and I love watching documentaries. I'm kind of a little old lady that loves to sit on her back porch and watch her kids play with a cup of coffee and a good book. That's just a little bit about me. I'm regular average Joe. <laughs> so I wanted to talk because I think that it's really important for you to share your personal um, just worldview before kind of unpacking your posts more, what your faith means to you as a Christian and as a believer. I became a Christian when I was in college. I was raised in the Catholic Church and my parents are Catholic. Um, but when I was in high school, honestly, early high school, I started getting in a lot of trouble and I just never really understood Jesus or the church. And I think that's when I officially kind of rejected it. And that got me into a lot of trouble in college. So when I came to know the Lord, I had been drugged through the mud, through the muck. And, you know, it was a prodigal son kind of story. Um, so when I found my faith, I held on to it so tight um, because I had been living in such a dark, desperate place. And I knew what it felt like to be so far away from God and not feel like you could ever come back. So my faith means everything to me. You know, there's no way that I could go back to who I used to be after seeing who God has grown me and, and created me to be now through the, the eyes of the gospel. It's just every morning, all I can think is that I'm just so grateful that he sacrificed his son Jesus, so that I could have a relationship with God, because I know how undeserving I was of such a sacrifice. I know how terrible of a person I used to be, and so from my from my background, from my perspective, I was raised to seek diversity, which I'm so grateful for, and I was exposed to a lot of diversity growing up, which I know that's not everybody's there's not everybody's story, not everybody's background. Um, and that has just served me so well in life, getting to meet so many different people from different backgrounds and in people groups and around the world and learning how to relate to other people and hold conversations. And it's been even more magnified now since I've become a Christian because I get to share a message of hope and also try and listen with the ears of somebody who believes that we're all created in the image of God um, and that he has a place for all of us. And so I, I'm just even more so encouraged to get to know people where they're at, how they're at, for who they are, um, and not try to change them because I know that that's not my job. And, and so I'm just so thankful that my faith gives me the opportunity to have those conversations and, and see people through a different light. And I like that something that you mentioned on, um, I think it was one of your stories was people prefer to use the term black and then some people prefer to use the term persons of color. And so I'm using person of color because that is a phrase that you use personally, was that your perspective is not the same as everyone else's. And I think that before we unpack your post, I just think it's really important to mention and something that you mentioned was that your perspective is not like a blanket statement for like everyone. And I think that's important important to go into before kind of discussing these things. I think something from your post that really struck me and as a Christian, something that I really appreciated from you and was just so thankful for was your eagerness to share your perspective. Because, you know, it's not 
your job to, it's not your place to, and no one has to. And it's like everyone else to educate themselves on these things. But I think it's so helpful to hear your perspective personally, even though it's not, you know, absolutely everyone's perspective. And so I'm really thankful for that. If you guys don't know, or if you haven't read it, it's called While We Wait, part two on racial harmony and the gospel. And I just wanted to ask you what inspired you to write this and why you think it's important for people to read. This series, While We Wait, I started after the COVID um, shutdowns were lifted, at least in Texas. And I, I was inspired to just share like what I learned during the time in self-isolation, because if you can imagine being home with two kids two and under is is intense it's so intense and my husband had to work shifts that he could wherever he could um, Mm. because he's a therapist and so they didn't have therapists working during COVID and so it was a very lonely time I couldn't see my friends and I didn't have you know much contact with people so I, I was spending a lot of time with God and I needed that time desperately when I wrote this narrative it was just unbelievable thinking about all that had happened nationally and globally since March. And then just the like, bam, 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 succession of just more turmoil and hurt and pain immediately after something that was so hurtful and painful on on a different level. And I had a conversation with one of my best friends over the weekend who I got to spend the weekend with and just enlightening her and, and sharing just history with her. She's, she's an immigrant from Europe. And so she doesn't really have a context and a background to American history and racism, which is so beautiful. One thing that I just super love about her, her and her and I's friendship. So we were having this conversation all weekend. And she said, you know, Kiri, like, can I just do a video of you? Can I just record you saying these things? And that is not like me. And I was like, okay, God, if you want me to do this, just give me words to speak because I'm not a camera person and I don't, I do not want to mess this up. And, and it was just, it was great. Honestly, it was such a great dialogue and I was glad that she caught it on camera and I didn't clam up because that's what I would have normally done. So I was like, you know, okay, well, I got to write about this now. I've got to keep unpacking this. I've got to share this in a better way that I know how. And for me, that's through writing. That's how I express myself and my emotion and everything and there were just some some highlights that I felt compelled to make sure were in my piece um like some quotes I was seeing on social media that were just they were just digging under my skin and I was like okay like I don't want this to be something that is all about me because it doesn't matter necessarily how this makes me feel but I would love to be able to share this through the eyes of the gospel and be a unifying and a unifying voice in this movement, because I think Mm -hmm. it's so easy and it's so common from all the pain and Mm -hmm. the hurt and Mm -hmm. the the heart hardness that's been built for generations and generations on this topic. Words can just be abrasive and hurtful rather than uplifting and edifying and truly reconciling. So that was the lens that I was looking at and through when I was trying to write this and there were so many times where I had to like just delete and try again and delete and try again sorry you're good <laughs> and, um, there it just wasn't coming across right and and the last thing I wanted to do was was be abrasive in a way that I would turn more people off than I could encourage more people to just 
be a little bit more in tune with this movement and all that going on. And I think that was the thing about your post that was really encouraging was it was a way to get people to listen to other people's perspectives more because it was coming at it in a way that encourages dialogue and especially the part where you shared that as Christians, like when you share the gospel, you don't just point them to Google to figure it out. It's like, no, you share the gospel with them. And I was like, oh my gosh, that just like hit me in the face. That was so good. And then another thing that you talked about a lot in it, you had a quote that said, if I post this, I'm doing my part so I don't have to do it in real life. And one thing I wanted to ask you and one thing that a lot of my viewers on Instagram asked was, you know, using your platform, your social media to speak out, you know, against injustice, against racism, while also living it out in your daily life. Because that was something that I had asked you was, you know, what are things that we could share? What are like links? What are ways that we can actually share online about how to get involved? But you had a different response to this, you know, advocating for in-person conversation and loving your neighbor and showing, you know, compassion. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on like the balance between in-person advocating and then also advocating, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. That's been one of my favorite conversations I've gotten to have with some of my friends lately. It's been a legitimate question in real life. And so I've gotten to have real dialogue and it's just wonderful. So what I like to share with my friends is that all it takes is a single conversation and it takes getting uncomfortable if you're not used to doing this so that you can learn how to get comfortable. So one tangible way that I have suggested to my friends is simply turning around when you're at the store, making eye contact with somebody, just asking them, how are you? Or complimenting them like you would anybody else. And so when I say them, I mean seeking out somebody that doesn't look like you. And it doesn't just have to be a person of color, like an African-American person. I mean, it could be Hispanic. It can be an Asian person. It can be like an Indian person. I don't care. Um, But just anybody who you normally would not talk to, talk to them. uh, Because you never know what conversation can come out of that. And I just, I love the ways that I've met certain people in my life where I just on a whim was like, you know, I I normally wouldn't talk to somebody like you. (laughs) Not that I have any hate against you or like, I'm afraid of you, but it's just, Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you're not like me. Um, And so it's, it's a lot harder to have those conversations with somebody who doesn't look like you or are fit in your bubble or your mold. Mm -hmm. But I've just gotten to have some beautiful conversations with some beautiful humans when I stepped out in an instruct conversation with someone who I could tell was the complete opposite of me. And those are my favorite conversations, like some of my favorite life memories. So I uh, haven't necessarily had a social media platform for that long. Even a few, I shouldn't say few, increased, I have had an increase in my social <laughs> media following since last weekend, which I'm praising God for it. So I'm just learning how to use that platform even more so now because I've never had this many people following me. So in that sense, um, when I speak on my page, I, I try to present that one, I am a Christian. So my viewpoints might look completely different from you. And I have no expectation that you're going to believe or feel the same way that I do, because if we don't share the same faith, um, I have I cannot expect you to to think the same way that I do. And that is the standard that 
it's unacceptable for me to hold on anybody. And if anything, I think that that can turn people away from being ever willing to hear the gospel rather than draw them nearer. So in that sense, when I see uh, posts on, you know, oppression and injustice on social media, I, I don't want to immediately assume that people are doing it to be a trend or to like join the bandwagon because I don't know their intentions. Um, so I just hope and pray that, you know, people's our intentions are truly good when they are speaking up for injustice. And so I just encourage people to, to use kind words, even in their, their difficulty processing or their emotion processing or the intense feelings that they're feeling while they're processing, just hoping that people can learn how to speak kindly and with truth. And uh, I love to listen to Dave Ramsey. I don't know if any of your followers have ever heard of him, but he oh, they have. A- I talk about him all the time. <laughs> I love Dave Ramsey. Oh my goodness! And so he had a podcast title recently that was like it said it said tell the truth, don't make it gory, or like it shouldn't have to be gory. And I was like that is so perfect because there is a way that you can tell the truth and tell your story and not make it you know, so overly detailed that it, it's gory and, and scary and are gross to listen to, are hard to listen to. Like there's some things that you have to keep to yourself. And I think that we can all take a lesson from that title because even when sharing difficulties and sharing hardships, there's a sensitivity that you have to have to people's emotions, giving them time to respond and giving each other, giving ourselves time to even speak out because unpacking these things, it takes time and it's, it's difficult. It's so hard. And so it's so easy to say what can be seen as the wrong thing. And you actually, someone had read your post and I saw the message that you posted on your story and it basically saying that you weren't like directly calling out, you know, like, yes, like your narrative is important, but you know, this starts with racism and kind of directing you to call out that directly. And you had a good response. And I would just be interested to hear kind of your perspective on that, because I think that in your story, your response is really trying to point people to the gospel while not like watering down the actual issues that are happening. I don't know if that question makes sense but I think I'm pretty sure we're thinking of the same one so in that response I had I had mentioned that in my blog post spoke up about injustice for sure I mean the the title not the title the first paragraph my hope was to kind of strike you in the gut because that's how I felt when I was watching those videos I mean I couldn't watch them I couldn't I just would And I'm not a super emotional person for being a creative writer. I'm a type one on the Enneagram. So I am, I'm more straightforward, um, just kind of more analytical. And I burst into tears and my husband was kind of like, whoa, what's going on? Because you don't cry. So when you cry, I listen because he knows that that is, that is kind of like the last straw of of me showing emotion. So I, I definitely highlighted that in my blog and I told him, I was like, I'm sorry you felt that there wasn't enough, but there's only so much you can say in a thousand words. And if you kind of go past a thousand words as a, in a blog, some people start to not really listen anymore and they get a little tired of reading and they just shut it off. So uh, knowing that I kind of had that limit, I, and I knew that I wanted to speak from a variety of perspectives. I had to, I had to choose what my emphasis was going to be on. And I felt that the emphasis needed to be on, on healing 
in true reconciliation and, and helping people walk through that and be motivated to unpack that for themselves and know how to kind of slightly have some steps to see what it would look like to seek reconciliation in their own life, within their own life story. So all that to say, I also tagged some documentaries on that blog post that I found last summer. I can't even remember why watching those things, but uh, for me, every day is Black History Month. So I'm always trying to learn more about American history and, you know, just where my life fits in the narrative and where my life fits in you know, American lineage. And I found those documentaries and they were just, oh, they made my stomach sink in a way that not like it was, it was disgusting to watch, but it was hard to watch. It's one of those big, bitter horse pills to swallow. So that was also something I reminded that person in my response was, um, you know, bring tissues when you watch those documentaries because you're going to need them. They kind of spoke for themselves. And that's what I was hoping to encourage by tagging those on there because they also led to some some other great links and documentaries that further talked about African American history and African American oppression. Sorry, I'm I'm going back and forth in my terms, but the history of people of color and the oppression of people of color. It was a very gracious conversation. I'm I'm glad to say they were not abrasive in their response. They were very understanding. And I felt like I got to reply in a way that was encouraging conversation and encouraging narrative while also um, sticking true to the reasons that I wrote this piece in the first place, which was to encourage people to see multiple perspectives and not just one single perspective. And I wanted to ask you about, because you mentioned the documentaries, which I'll have linked in the show notes of this too. I think that I watched part of one of them and yeah it was like crazy you had also linked the NAACP I believe too but I just wanted to ask if you had any other kind of resources that you think help people learn about you know the history of racism that how it has come to the way that it is today or even like unlearning things that they assume to be true that aren't true obviously you mentioned those two documentaries but I'd just be interested to hear if there were like any books that you think are helpful or anything like that so one of the first things that came to mind was uh 13th Amendment on Netflix. My husband and I watched that a while, gosh, probably two or so years ago. And uh, that was an intense, intense movie to watch. And it's not that long, but it's incredibly eye-opening for sure that there's so much more to American history that the average person doesn't know that we are not taught in high school. And it's going to take a lot of individual research to catch up on those things. So that is one of my first ones that has had a huge impact on me. Uh, A People's History by Howard Zinn. It's a Mm -hmm. big giant textbook. You probably read it in high school. That's one of my favorite history books. I carried it with me everywhere I went when I was in high school. I couldn't stop reading it. So it's, it's an American history book, but it's written like a story. And it's written the people of Americans, of America's perspective dating back to America's beginning. So that was one of the first inspirations to me, honestly, when I was in high school to to remember to see multiple perspectives um, mm-hmm. was from that history textbook because that's how it was written. Because we're, as Americans, um, not hardly any of us can say we are true Americans. We've all come from somewhere. And that's the beauty of America. We don't all have, so to say, 
we all have the same blood anatomically speaking, but we all come from some different corner of the world. We don't necessarily have roots to anymore because our roots are American. We have American traditions and holidays and celebrations that we can all relate to. And that builds up American history. And I just, I love that about America. Uh, so for my nerds out there, you might really enjoy looking back. I feel like I would like that one. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so great. I can't not say the Bible because yeah. that is, that's where I draw back to when I have questions. Um, I have to ask God, okay, God, what do you say about this? Like, what do you say about, about your creation? What do you say about your people? Who am I as my, um, through my identity? in Christ because that's what most that's what's most important to me and that's the first way that I see myself um, mm-hmm. versus just my racial identity so that would be one of my third resources I know that not everybody has access or wants to read that so that is okay mm-hmm. um, there are man there are a lot of books out right now and I can tell you I have not read them so yeah I think there's one it's called like unraveling right white fragility I believe it's called. Yeah, I've seen White Fragility a lot on social media right now. Yes, I've had some friends read that. I haven't read that. Some of my favorite things to read are fiction books. So like fiction books written by African-American authors. Mm -hmm. So one is, it's either a Native son or the Native son. And it's an old Mm -hmm. creative literature book uh, about a boy from Chicago in the 20th century. And I've heard great things about it. It's on one of my books to read list. I love honestly children's books about American history or our famous um, people who have, who have served in the civil rights movement in the sixties. Um, the Bible says that if we come to God with the faith of a child, essentially we will absorb more wisdom from him. So when you simplify things, when you dumb it, not dumb it down, but when you make it easy to understand and read and it can penetrate and hit hard, I think even as adults, we need that. You can still grow from that. And there are just some beautiful children's books out there. I've seen a lot listed. I think I even have some listed on my Amazon account that I can I can share with you in your notes. I have a little price library tab. So oh, yeah. books in our library, um, kids books included. I have a book that I have read that is also a fiction book, a fiction narrative, and it's called mm-hmm. Nikki and Zora. And it's about a couple. The boy is, he is white. He, uh, the narrative is in a, in a Southern city. And so he was the son of a pastor from a, from a, like a white Baptist church, like an all white church that had some, some roots in, in racial segregation. And, and then Zora is the daughter of a pastor from a black church, like a giant black mega church in that same town. They want to start dating. And so I'll leave that hook because it is, it was such a good book. Actually, I think Hunter, my husband found it when he wanted to start dating me. He, he told me that he went to a, a thrift store because he wanted to just find books that could help enlighten him and kind of prepare him to step into to dating an African or a woman of color. And I was just so shocked that he did that. I thought it was so sweet. And I read that book in about three days. It was so good. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, there are a lot of resources for, for nonfiction books for sure. But I also definitely wanted to share that uh, you can learn and gain perspective through fiction literary too 
which is sometimes to me as a creative, even more inspiring, not to say more beautiful, but just more applicable fiction literature is for me. Yeah, I agree. I last year went through a phase of like just reading fiction. I hadn't seen any fiction recommendations. So I'm definitely going to check out your Amazon reads that you mentioned. I feel like that'd be really useful. And I feel like your kids are wanting you to come back. So I'm going to try to get through these last questions. And so the next question I wanted to ask was about this um, concept of being like a good ally right now, especially as someone who is white. And this was a question that I got a lot on Instagram. And I think that you had kind of touched on this a little bit with you know, just like having conversations with people that you normally wouldn't. But from your perspective, what would you like to see in someone who is trying to be an ally? Strangers and friends alike is to just be authentic and be personable because it's so easy to to share something on social media on a, on a mass scale and feel like you did your part or you showed your heart, which, you know, is a start because even using social media, there's always the chance that you can be reprimanded or, you know, somebody dislike you for what you're saying. So is something that they don't think is right. Or, you know, if they have maybe some racial issues in their heart that they're struggling with. So I always suggest start personal, start feet on the ground where you're at. So surely in your community, since this is America, there is somebody in your space, not too far away from you that you can find that doesn't look like you. Just being comfortable with the uncomfortable to even go up if it is if there is one person that you have in mind and even just opening with wow like I've seen this on social media and and I recognize that I can't I can do a better job at being an ally can I learn from you can can you teach me can I ask you what your experience is um I had a family member reach out and ask me that and I've I've never had any expectation of her to do that she was one of my in-laws. So she's white. And I have never, ever felt any sort of derogatory feelings from her ever. She's so, so sweet to me. I love her. And and she just simply asked me, like, I never thought to ask you this. And I'm so sorry for my ignorance. But has there ever been a time that you felt threatened? And I said, yeah. And it, she just broke down. It, she's like, I hear it all the time. But when you hear it on a personal level, it hits you so much harder. So if you're not feeling this on a personal level, you're not going to get it. It's just going to be, you know, another trend and you're, you're not going to really be able to fully empathize with people of color, actually put your, your feet in somebody else's shoes and sit with somebody and hear their hard truth. Really good. And I think that you have been so nice that you're willing to share because obviously, you know, there's so many people who they're like, we've been sharing about this for years and y'all weren't listening. Like it's not anything new. And so I just appreciate that you have been willing to share with other people because it is when it hits you on a more personal level, it's definitely easier to, which is sad that it is this way, but it's easier to empathize with people and, you know, to kind of actually put actions behind your words. And with that, I got a lot of questions about kind of specifically our role as Christians in this movement, because I feel like there's been kind of a divide in the Christian community about like, I've seen controversy with, you know, you should be pointing people towards the gospel and then people saying, you know, that's like not enough. I think as someone who also has a faith where, you know, faith without works is dead. I think there is definitely truth that there needs to be action behind pointing people to the gospel and I'd love to hear just your personal opinion on kind of Christians in this movement and what it means to show people the love of Jesus in a way that Christians should be hearing this. 
Absolutely. I think that's such a beautiful question. And I'm excited also to hear people who are speaking out right now who are Christians, their response, um, because I think there's going to be beauty in the variety of answers that we will get to hear. So what I have encouraged my friends who are Christians and come to me recently is to encourage conversation. So there's been some circumstances where somebody is in a church and their church hasn't said anything and they so, so deeply want to retaliate or just feeling so hurt from the silence and they don't know how to confront their church leadership. It has to be with a posture of forgiveness and grace because without that, the conversations kind of can't go anywhere. If you step into a conversation with your guard up, you know, ready to fight, people can feel that and they're gonna, they're gonna pull away. And so you have to enter into those, those hard conversations, those hard calling out, or, you know, in some instances, maybe rebuking with a, with a way of no hard feelings, which is impossible to do without Jesus. (laughs) Even with him, it is still possible to fail so hard in that and crash and burn. There have also been conversations I've had where, where a church hasn't spoken out yet, but a pastor has reached out to a person of color congregation member and asked how they are feeling. And in this scenario, they told them that, you know, honestly, I was afraid to call you. And when that person told me the story, my heart broke for them. My heart broke for them because I just thought, how can, I mean, I understand we are all humans and we all have some fear and some, at some point in time, but if my pastor called me and said, ready to have this conversation with you, I don't know how to do this well. I would, I would just feel really let down. Um, because if, if you're here to shepherd people, we should know beforehand how to step into those conversations. Like, I feel like, especially racially, that should be at the forefront of a pastor's mind. So that was, that was a really hard situation to have to hear. And, and so I've just been praying for this person in, in their church. And I just encouraged her in this circumstance, even though it might not seem right, it might take you speaking up first to encourage your pastor to say something or to encourage them to welcome this conversation. Um, because I think for some people, for, for people of color, speaking out to white people, white people speaking to people of color, um, there's some level of intimidation or fear, fear of saying the wrong thing, fear of saying something offensive, and nobody can live up to those standards. So it just has to be, it has to be a grace-filled conversation but it has to be a conversation nonetheless. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's even more important that we're having these conversations all the time, not just when something pops up in the headlines. I think that's kind of the hardest thing for me to see because for me, every day is Black History Month. So I don't see a reason why, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't call you up on a random Tuesday and have this conversation with you. I don't think it should take um, a media frenzy for it to come up on the pulpit. Another question that I wanted to ask, and this was kind of on your perspective of the Bible's perspective on justice specifically. And I was thinking about this and I think that we like to like view God in a way that we want to view God. And as I read the Bible, you know, there's so many different characteristics that go along with the kind of God that God is. But one thing that is very clear is that, you know, God sits on a throne of justice. And I'd love to just kind of hear your perspective on this and what you think, how Christianity and justice go hand in hand. That has uh, 
definitely been scripture that I have had to meditate on for years. There's been so many acts of injustice I've experienced and not even just racially motivated ones where I have really had to lean into the Lord to understand that um, on earth is not the place where I'm guaranteed to receive justice. And also within the context of that word. As Americans, we have a different concept of true justice. So there are, you know, still places in the world where true justice might look like you being exiled from your village, where you might be, you know, if you go against the country's laws or ordinances, you might be beheaded or you might be shot or put in prison. So, and we have, I want to say, first off, a whole different concept of what justice should be and in a way where I'm grateful for that, but we are also very spoiled because that is not what people receive all over the world. There are some people who will never even get the chance to see a lawyer or see a court because that doesn't exist um, in in there. So from the Christian perspective, I pray that God would be so merciful to let us see justice reign within our context, within our, our law system, that the right calls would be made. Um, but I have no expectation for that. Mm-hmm. And I put my hope in knowing that um, when I go to heaven, that's when I will receive my justice. And if that's what it takes for me to hear an apology or just that, you know, to have God redeem my situation, then that's what it takes. I hope, you know, again, that there will be times when wrongs will be made right here on earth. But I know that that's what Jesus's role is, that that's what he's going to do mm. at the end of time. So I just, I put my hope in that. And because if I didn't, I, I would be very, very, very bitter. And the last thing that I wanted to just talk about was your book that's coming out June 26th. Yes. Yeah. So I'd love to just hear more about Sewn and kind of your heart behind it. And then also, I don't know if it's available for pre-sale, but how we can support in like its launch coming up here soon. So excited. So Sewn is my first book. Um, It's a book of Christian poetry. It's been in the works for years, essentially, because it's based off of real poems that I've written in my real journals over the past years of my life. And so it's essentially my salvation story, how I came to know Jesus, just some things that I went through when I was coming of age in college um, that led me to the foot of the cross. So I I had a, a pretty wild life back in the day and I I went through a lot. And so my hope with Sewn is to inspire and encourage. I didn't write it just for Christians, but I wrote it for everybody in between, um, because on some level, I think that there are plenty of ways that people can relate to my story. And I would just love to be a light to some of those struggles that I highlight, or even just positive common commonalities that I highlight in my book. Yeah, just be able to like mentor or encourage people who are struggling or who are not struggling. So it is available for pre-orders on Barnes & Noble on, and Amazon. So far, the ebook is released and the paperback pre-sale versions should be uh, open for sale any day now. Awesome. I'm going to have it linked in the show notes, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for just like having this conversation. And I think just this alone kind of speaks to your point of the importance of talking to people and listening to people and um, being in that space and not being afraid to have conversations like you have mentioned. 
And I'm just so thankful. And I know it is not like your job to be the one educating people on these things. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Thanks, Michelle. It was a pleasure to get to do this with you. And I'm just so thankful that you reached out and you asked. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm just so, I'm so happy and grateful and like excited. And it's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, thing to see sisters in Christ and brothers in Christ banding together right now. That's how we change the world is being united. A strand is not easily broken when there's a, a strand of three together. Mm-hmm. It's not easily broken. There we go. We are stronger together than we are apart for sure. And I'm sorry we didn't get to more questions from Instagram. <laughs> I loved all the questions that you asked. They were just so awesome. So thank you so much. And I just want to say that all of the things that we mentioned in this podcast. So Kay's book that's coming out, the educational resources she mentioned, and just other links will be all in the description along with her post if you hadn't read it and just her page. I really encourage you guys to follow along. 